Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. What an absolute honor it is to be able to be with you guys this week. I do appreciate David asking me to come because um, often with our schedule, we just come in for a service and then we're pretty much leaving right after the service and heading on to our next conference or um, counseling meeting that we have to go to. But we get to park it here for a few days. So Don and I are looking forward to being able to spend some time um, reconnecting with many of you, faces that we recognize, um, and many, many new faces. So please uh, take advantage this week. Um, uh, come up and introduce yourself. I would love to meet you, and we'd love to spend some time as much as we can with you. It is true that um, I met David in college and got the privilege of leading an ensemble from Pensacola uh, with him in it and a few other guys. And uh, that was before, that was while you were thinking about dating day. Right. Or you were dating day at that time. That's when you found. So it's my fault. Well, um, the Lord worked on my life a lot in college. He grew me, convicted me, changed me in a lot of ways. And when I met David, David was just at the beginning of that process. And I didn't like him very much at all. And so whenever we found out he was thinking about day, we we grabbed day, day. No, do not go out with this guy. But um, now that we've had a chance to grow together, I love him to death. In fact, um, in our world of ministry, um, personally, he is my go-to guy. If, if there is something that I am struggling with or that I have a need with, um, he's my guy. And David, I love you. Thank you for being that for me. Revival. Wow. As long as I can remember here at Grace, we've had these revivals scheduled, right? For decades. Have we not? In the fall? Um, when we come to revival, we know that these are for the purpose, these meetings are for the purpose of drawing our attention to the fact that we need revival. So this week, whatever your expectations are for this week, maybe they're none. Maybe it's just... Follow the calendar, check it off, and move on with life. But I would really like us to define our terms this week so that we're on the same page. I know where I feel the Holy Spirit leading us to go this week. The music this morning has just thrilled my soul. Each, each song has the message, really, for where I want us to go. So I was sitting down there, my heart was burning, crying, Lord, thank you for preparing the way. You guys... I don't know. Has the Lord started something in your heart already? I don't know. I don't know. He is our refuge. He is our rock. Um, Lord, more to be like thee is my deepest desire. As we're going through this week, I want to first of all start by asking the question, what is revival? What is revival? True revival. The biblical word for revive and its derivatives are mentioned 16 times in the King James Version. The biblical word for revive can be rendered many times in Scripture as to cause to live, to quicken. Yahweh's gracious work for his people. In Psalm 85, 6, very familiar verse of Scripture, 
We read there that after the first phase of the release of the captives from Babylonia, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall and it was a huge miracle, amazing feat of the Lord and the hard work of God's people to erect those walls in 52 days. That was a wonderful revival. But then they started thinking of their brothers and sisters that were still in captivity. So they cried out to God again, well, thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. Also, we see in Habakkuk 3, 2, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. So the image here with the word revive in scripture is of the Holy Spirit of God breathing life into a person in an instant. It's almost like a holy defibrillator. Did I pronounce that right? You know, you're, you're almost dead. You're lifeless spiritually. Then all of a sudden, the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God comes and it's whoom. And, and we're revived in a moment. We experience that conviction, so we respond to that. And wow, it's new life. Wow, I'm back to life. Woo got life again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to me. There have been powerful, dramatic revivals in scripture and also throughout history that I'm sure many of you are very much aware of. Many people in a short amount of time are revived, saved, swept into the kingdom of God, restored to a right relationship with God and others in a dramatic fashion. And the result are a greater desire, is a greater desire for soul winning and powerful missionary movements around the world. Those are exciting days. Question, should we pray for that type of revival? It's not a trick question. Yes, absolutely. Your pastor just alluded to that in his opening prayer. God, bring revival to America. Does America need revival? More than ever. We should pray for revival. True, life-giving, dramatic moves of the Holy Spirit of God in our nation, our communities, in our homes, and in our own hearts. However, there's a false concept that accompanies these seasons of dramatic revival and outpouring of God's Spirit. Frequently, we believe that a revival experience will produce long-term change. How many times have you had an experience at church or at camp where you went forward and prayed a prayer and the Lord really worked, there were tears, there was repentance, things were made right. But in the back of our mind, we think, okay, I'm good to go now. God's changed me. That would be nice, wouldn't it? If in just a moment we could be changed and have all those things uh, made right in our heart. There's another biblical word that I believe captures an aspect of what God envisions for his people regarding revival. And that is the biblical word renew. Renew. Renew in scripture. Revival is mentioned 16 times, but renew is mentioned 66 times in scripture. Renew has the idea of to renovate, to restore to a former state after decay or deprivation, to rebuild, to repair, 
to reestablish, to confirm, to begin again, to make new, to make fresh, vigorous, to renew strength. Theologically, it means to make new, to renovate, to transform. You're familiar with David's cry in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And in 2 Timothy 1, 6, we read this, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. That was Paul writing to young pastor Timothy, reminding him of what God had begun in his heart years ago through salvation, through the the filling of the Holy Spirit, through the giftings of the Holy Spirit. But then he says, but Timothy, remember, you have to stir that up. You have to keep that alive. The idea here is that we had to, like like a fire with bellows, continue to fan that flame, stir those embers up of what God had begun in his heart years ago. It was Timothy's job to do that. God's job is to revive. God's job is to give us that energy that we need in that moment of conviction of sin. But then it's our job to continue feeding that flame. And all throughout scripture, we see that God's plan for a continual renewing in the lives of his people is evident. Genesis to Revelation. So this week, here is our focus. Renewal is the refreshment and advancement that God's people experience when they are realigned with God's priorities. It's when we begin again to fulfill our God-given purpose to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and with God and partner with them in the advancement of His kingdom, not our own. Revival is when renewal happens on a large scale, bringing life, dramatic spiritual renewal to a community, a region, a country, or even several nations. As Mark Sayers says, revival is renewal gone viral. Now that's what we are praying for is that viral renewal, right? Many of us experience that personal revival in our own hearts many times. How many would say you've experienced one or more revivals in your walk with the Lord? Personally, amen. I would say that a couple of weeks ago, 27 pastors and missionaries, when we met together for the Sailor Refresh Retreat, we experienced some revival. There was confession of sin. There was things being made right. Um, there was prayer being offered up until one or two in the morning. There was some revival there. But I would dare sm- say that a small number of those men will experience spiritual renewal over a long period of time. Biblical change on the long term is really what God is after, and it's really what we want, is it not? We want to change. I experienced my own personal revival when I was 25 years old. God revealed to me areas of sin in my life that I had ignored ignored for years. And I saw myself as I truly was. God broke me, and he gave me the humility to repent. It was a definite change of direction 
But I soon found out I had a lot more work to do after that personal revival. I had to change my heart. The desires of my heart had to change. The habits of my life had to change. Many of us have had those personal revivals, but I would say a small percentage have truly experienced biblical spiritual renewal. That is really what I want though. But there's a huge problem. We often don't think we need it. Or if we do know we need it, We're not willing to take the time to stir up those personal fires of devotion and zeal and holy passion for the Lord. Patterns of sin, apathy, self-dependence, and success can cause us to grow cold to the Word of God and become calloused to the Holy Spirit. So my question, second question this morning is, do you really need spiritual renewal? Do you really need it? I know pastor gave everyone a sheet. Um, I don't know how many there are. 23. 23 passages of scripture and then several accompanying scriptures to help us prepare for what the Lord wanted us to do this week. I don't know how many of you actually went through that or if you read it, how many of you actually uh, took the time to do it. Those are very, very penetrating questions. In case you didn't have time to do that, I'm going to help you out this morning. These are not the same questions, but there are questions that I, this is a little bit different on a Sunday morning. And even in any message, I don't typically do this, but I want to. I feel a strong leading of the Lord to do this. I'm going to take us through 29 questions this morning. And what I want you to do, grab a piece of paper, grab the bulletin, write all over our faces on there, wherever you can find a spot. But in one section, wherever it is, I want you to begin to write down the number of the indicator that you're going to see this morning of where you need spiritual renewal. Now, the biggest hindrance to this is going to be you're right there sitting beside your wife or your husband or your friend. And they're going to begin to see you write 1, 3, 7, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And so you're not going to want to do that. Please don't allow anything to distract you this morning. It's just you and God. It's just you and I here right now. We're going to allow ourselves to be examined. So as I go through these, don't get weary. If there are several numbers you have to write down, it's okay. That's good. That's very good. If there are several you have to write down. There are 29. So here we go. You need, you can be sure you need spiritual renewal when we do not love him as we once did. When we have little or no desire for prayer. When we would rather make money than give money. Don't write out the the description. Just write down the number if those apply to you. Thank you. When our Christianity is joyless and passionless. By by the way, don't put disclaimers on this. If, well... 
Sometimes. No, immediately, if the Holy Spirit convicts you, write down the number. Is your Christianity joyless and passionless? When we know the truth in our heads that we are not practicing in our lives. When we make little effort to witness to the lost. When we have... Help me out, guys. Up there, please. Next one. When we have time for sports, recreation, and entertainment, but not for Bible study and prayer. When we do not tremble at the word of God. When we seldom think thoughts of eternity. When God's people are more concerned about their jobs and their careers than about the kingdom of Christ and the salvation of the lost, we need renewal. When believers can be at odds with each other and not feel compelled to pursue reconciliation. When husbands and wives are not praying together. When our marriages are coexisting rather than full of the love of Christ. When our children are growing up to adopt worldly values, secular philosophies, and ungodly lifestyles. 15. When we're more concerned about our children's education and their athletic activities than about the condition of their souls. When we tolerate the sins of gossip, a critical spirit, and lack of love. When we will watch things on television and movies that are not holy. 18. When our singing is a performance, half-hearted, and our worship lifeless. When our prayers lack fervency. When our hearts are cold and our eyes are dry. 21. When we have ceased to weep and mourn and grieve over our sin and the sin of others. When we're bored with worship. When we have to be entertained to be drawn to church. 24. When our giving is measured and calculated rather than extravagant and sacrificial. When we are more concerned about what others think about us than what God thinks about us. 26. When we are unmoved by the fact that 2.5 billion people in this world have never heard the name of Jesus. When we are unmoved by the thought of neighbors, business associates, and acquaintances who are lost and without Christ. 28. When the fire has gone out in our hearts, our marriages, and the church... And most importantly of all, when we think we don't need renewal. Look over your list. How many did you write down? If you're like me, um, I have a marked here. There was about 13. But the thing is, you know, when we go through this, we think, wow, I'm pretty bad. Well, I'm pretty bad. But you know what? As you're looking through this list... This is us comparing ourselves. 
The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. Do you know that when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to look at us and we're going to say, I don't know why you saved me, God. I I was such a wicked sinner. He's going to say, you didn't know the half of how wicked you were. And his grace is going to be magnified so much more on that day. We don't know the half of how badly we need spiritual renewal. As you look over this list, is there one that the Holy Spirit is bringing back to your mind? Just take a moment. This week, during our messages, I may just pray right off and just at weird times. I want you to do that right now. You don't see them on the screen now anymore. But Haggai 1.7 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. The word consider there means to take the time to deliberate, to set your focus upon. Consider your ways. Take a moment. If the Lord brings one to mind, jot that down. Father, I pray that you would help us in the quietness, the sacredness of this moment to take just a few seconds and examine our heart. I pray that not one person under the sound of my voice right now online, in the sound booth, in security, in the nursery, wherever, Lord, would pass over this command to consider our ways. Speak to us, Holy Spirit of God. If you were honest, and there were several that you wrote down, take heart. God has given us a plan and a promise for spiritual renewal in Scripture. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Chronicles. The book of 2 Chronicles. Here we're going to see God's plan and his promise for renewal. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. I'm sure all of you know how that in chapter 1 of 2 Chronicles, Solomon had just finished the construction of the temple. It was glorious. The priests had offered the sacrifice of atonement that took place annually. And the glory of Jehovah had descended on the temple. And the temple, remember, the temple was filled with the glory of God. And the priests could not even stand to minister or even speak because of the manifest Shekinah glory of Jehovah God. That's revival right there. The preacher can't even talk. God's presence is manifested in a dramatic way. After that, Solomon offered 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. That's a lot of sacrifices. In chapter 6, Solomon had prayed to God, long prayer, take time to read that this afternoon, 2 Chronicles chapter 6. You can read Solomon's lengthy prayer to the Lord. And at the end of that prayer, he asked God if his people were to one day turn away from him and start worshiping idols and false gods, he begged God to please provide a way for them to be able to be forgiven and not destroyed. A few hours later, that same night, God came to Solomon and gave him the answer to his prayer. 
in 2 Chronicles 7, 12 through 14. Here we see the promise for spiritual renewal. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself or in house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. There is debate as to if this verse can be applied to contemporary Christianity and national renewal, specifically in the United States of America. There are all kinds of theological debate to whether we can apply that to America. However, my focus is not today on a national revival or the healing of a nation. My focus is on personal renewal. And this promise of personal renewal can be traced from Genesis to Revelation. Yes, Scripture speaks to it. Scripture says there is a plan. And Scripture says there is a promise. If you want it bad enough, you can be renewed spiritually. One man or one woman can make a difference. But for true renewal to happen, things have got to change. Only God can bring widespread outpouring of his spirit, but I also believe that each person here today can experience personal renewal like you've never experienced before. God says, if you're ready to have an encounter with me, then I will satisfy all the needs of your heart. And I will visit you with times of refreshment. So here's the plan that is couched in God's promise for renewal. The plan for renewal. If you're taking notes down, just jot these three points down and we'll be done this morning. First of all, for true renewal to happen for you personally, today, right now, we must develop a holy dissatisfaction with the status quo. We must develop a holy dissatisfaction with the status quo. Keep your Bibles open to 2 Chronicles 7. It's not going to be flashed up on the screen. Have it there in your hands, please. 2 Chronicles 7 Verse 14, the first part says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. In the Old Testament, there are more than a dozen Hebrew words translating this single word, humble, with over 80 references. The one used here in 2 Chronicles 7.14 is the Hebrew word, kana, which means to subdue or to bend the knee. It can also refer to bending the neck in subjection to another. Exactly what Solomon thought would happen, happened. Children of Israel turned away from the Lord. It was mainly because of their prosperity. It was mainly because of their riches. It was mainly because of the temptations to go after another God when they didn't feel the need to seek after the one true God. Therefore, God in his mercy did what? He allowed suffering. In his mercy, he allowed suffering. They were taken into captivity for 70 years. Do you guys realize, have you experienced this fact that many times suffering is the only thing that will bring us back to the Lord? How many have experienced that? 
Johnny Erickson Tata made this statement. At at 18 years old, she was paralyzed from the neck down in a diving accident. But she will tell you to this day that she was headed in a direction away from the Lord, a life of sin and selfishness. And she says, sometimes God allows things to happen that he hates. Pain, suffering, tragedies, or economic crisis. In order to produce something that he loves. Hebrews 12 calls this chastening. It's the loving, chastening, disciplining hand of our Heavenly Father that will produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Wouldn't you like to have the peaceable fruit of righteousness this morning? Many times, most of the time, the only thing that will accomplish that is the chastening hand of God. But God, in His mercy, brothers and sisters, gives us another way to change. He provides us with faithful pastors that will preach Faithfully the word of God. And if we will allow the word to speak through our hearts and we will humble ourselves, bend the knee, bow the neck before the word of God, we will see God begin to do a work of renewal. But we must become so dissatisfied with the spiritual state of our own lives. We must become dissatisfied with our lack of faith. We've got to stop pointing our finger at others and accusing them of being the reason why we are not what we should be and focus on our own sin. Then this bowing of the knee, the bowing of the neck, the humbling of our hearts before God leads us to cry out to God and acknowledge our great need for spiritual renewal. One of my favorite books, Calvary Road, Roy Hessian says this, a heart... I'm sorry, the beginning of revival is brokenness. It's painful, humiliating, but it's the only way to get it. The stiff-necked eye has to bend before Christ. The hard eye that justifies itself, that always wants to do its will, that claims its rights and seeks its own glory, has to lower its head, admit its error, and surrender its will to his. Sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite, broken spirit and contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise or ignore. This is where it begins. But many of us cannot get past this even first step. The truth is this, the greatest obstacle for what you're wanting in revival and spiritual renewal, the greatest obstacle is you. It's me. Jonathan Edwards, the great revivalist of the 18th century, after the Great Awakening, as it was coming to a close, he wrote down this observation. He said that a heart that is being renewed has a deep awareness of his own smallness, vileness, weakness, and utter insufficiency. There is a lack of self-confidence. There is self-emptiness, self-denial, and a poverty of spirit. These are the manifest tokens of the Spirit of God working in the heart. Do you really feel that way this morning about yourself? We often cannot fathom that we are like that. Years ago, when we were caring for Nana, uh, Sundays were busy. At our Hispanic church in Charleston, 
we would have meals most Sundays. So we would get up super early. Dawn would finish cooking her part of the meal for church. Then she would get Nana ready. Now, a book could be written on getting Nana dressed. That, that was tons of funny stories. Horrible stories. Many things happening just by getting Nana ready. That morning particularly, she had cooked the meal. We had fried chicken, green beans. I know that doesn't sound Hispanic, but that was the easiest thing that we could do. So I was in a hurry. We lived 45 minutes from the church. So I was, I was grabbing everything, throwing it in the van, helping Dawn get loaded up, all her stuff loaded in the van, like a super great husband would do. Grabbed the green beans. They were in an aluminum disposable pan, you know, with foil over the top. Grabbed it, started going down the steps of the garage, and I tripped. And the green bean juice went all over my shirt and my suit. Now, do you know in that moment what my first wicked, vile, despicable thought was? Can you tell me? That's right. <laughs> it was Dawn's fault. How, why did she cook green beans this morning? Why did, she, why did she wrap it tighter around the top? Now, I thank God that I did not say that out loud. God in his mercy protected me in that moment, or I may not be standing here today. But you know what? I was convicted. As I drove to church, I started crying. What a wick. What kind of heart does that? What kind of heart responds that way? When we see our heart as God sees it, when we're aware that he knows our deepest thought and desires, and when we're under preaching that calls out our sinful ways, then we will be convicted of sin. And that conviction, that discomfort, is a blessing from the Holy Spirit of God. It means that God is still speaking to us. Jude, the half-brother of Christ, in his letter says this. He says that the Lord will come in order to execute judgment upon all, And to convince or convict all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and all of their hard or harsh speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Do you get the fact that they're ungodly? Yeah. Then he describes who these people are. These are murmurers, complainers. It means discontented grumblers. Walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling, arrogant words. Having men's persons in admiration because of advantage, that means showing favoritism in order to gain an advantage. Does any of that describe you? Church service starts at 9.30 now. Why do I have to change that? That's just a small example, but just think about it. Take a moment to consider your ways. How often do you describe, are you described as a discontented grumbler? 
This is talking about wicked people, ungodly people, not the children of God. But how many times do we get in the habit, oh, it's not my way. That's not how I would do it. And so we grumble and complain instead of saying, wow, God, maybe you've got something for me in this change. If it's nothing more than just to wake you up earlier in the morning. Discontented grumblers. We would have flat out revival if we got that right. When was the last time you were convicted of sin, my brother, my sister? I mean convicted to the point where you lost sleep and it produced great anxiety in your heart. If you experience that kind of conviction, thank God for it. If it's been a long time since you've been convicted, you've got to fall on your face right now, today, and beg God to break your hard, calloused heart. Because if you haven't been convicted, then that means... God is not speaking to you and he's not working into you no matter how good everything is going. Then we must let that conviction do its complete work and we must humble ourselves before the word of the Lord and fully repent. If not, then the day will come when that conviction will stop. 1 Timothy 4, 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Pretending like everything's okay. And having that con- their conscience seared with a hot iron. You may be on your way there today. Child of God. We've dealt with pastors in our counseling ministry who have been there. They have preached some amazing sermons with a seared conscience. Have you taught a Sunday school class with a seared conscience? Tell you what, you can't bear up under that if you're a child of God for long. God's mercy, he will bring chastening on your life. He will put pressure upon your spirit. Renewal cannot happen in an ungrateful, selfish, proud, self-confident heart. So if this morning, if in any area you have been convicted of a proud, selfish, self-confident heart, make it right. Because you can't go to step two and step three. It won't happen. But those small flames of desire for the Lord can be reignited. Did you know God can heal a calloused heart? It's not over. It's not done. If you have that calloused heart, you still have the Holy Spirit of God and you can stoke those fires and you can be freed from your life of slavery in order to serve Christ from a pure heart. It can happen. God gave us his promise and his plan. Second thing, we must display a true heart of desperation. Sorry. Display a true heart of desperation through fervent prayer. Back in 2 Chronicles 7, it says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and then pray and seek my face. Renewal is the opposite of passivity. Renewal is the opposite of passivity. It would be nice if God would just zap me and make me holy. Spiritual renewal doesn't happen that way. Revival, the defibrillator, boom! That's the beginning. But renewal won't happen if you're passive about it. Expecting God to do your job for you. There is no long-term renewal if there is not a desire for private and corporate prayer. So don't deceive yourself to think you're changed if you don't desire to pray. 
by yourself and with others. The prayer, the model prayer of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ said, we are to pray every single day, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, fervently. James 5, 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote about this need for desperate prayer when he said we must throw ourselves on the mercy of God. It's not so much an organized prayer emphasis as an act of desperation. And then, and only then, does the power of the Holy Spirit come flooding in us and upon us. Humility is where it starts. Brokenness is where it starts. But then when you add the natural result of desperate prayer because of your brokenness, that's when the Holy Spirit begins to work. And that will lead to number three. Third thing to experience spiritual renewal is determine to realign the patterns of your life around God's priorities. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and then do what? Turn. Turn from their wicked ways. This is the hard work of renewal. This is the strenuous effort that God requires in this process of progressive sanctification. This is the daily work of having our lives empowered by the Spirit of God, inspired by it, and then cooperating with Him as we begin to turn the ship, to turn it around, to change our habits. And as we begin to change the rhythms of our life, God begins to renew us and realigns our hearts toward Him. We begin to see how far we fall short of His standards. Then we begin to compare ourselves with Him and Jesus Christ, His Son, rather than with others. And even with the unsaved world. Not only do things that we do wrong begin to come into focus. And there will be a lot more than just 29. But also the things that we're not doing that we should be doing come into focus. We start following biblical commands that we have known for years. But just have ignored. We begin to confess our sin to fellow believers. And to make things right in our relationships within the body of Christ and without in the community. The result of heart repentance, the decision to turn, is to alter our direction of our lives and then walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians 5.16. Walk in the Spirit. Think about your current patterns of activity. If what you're doing now is not bringing spiritual renewal to your life, then continuing to do those things will not bring renewal. Something's got to change. In order to grow, you will need to change. But, but when you change, that will shake your identity and your normal patterns of life. That's the hard part, right? Accept it. Submit to it. Bend the knee. Bend the neck. There's going to be resistance. Resistance in your own heart because you don't like to change. And resistance at home. Resistance in changing your patterns, it's going to be tough work. So your focus, your goals must change from the routines that are currently in place to establishing habits that will lead you to the goal of spiritual renewal, which is what you truly desire if you're a child of God. Now this morning, if you're convicted, because you don't know if you even have the Holy Spirit of God, you don't know if you are saved, 
Oh, what a wonderful day to begin that journey, to receive Christ, to make that sure in your heart. This week, I'm going to be sharing with you five principles of spiritual renewal. They'll show up at different points of the sermon. Today, it just happens to show up at the very end. First principle of renewal is to experience renewal, things must change. To experience renewal, things must change. One more question, and then we're done. I want you to ask yourself right now this question. What am I not doing now that if I were to start doing it would help push me forward on my path to aligning my life with the changes God wants to bring in me? We're going to have no music, complete silence for just a couple of minutes. I know we're a couple of minutes over, but I think the Holy Spirit would have us do this right now. I want you to write down somewhere. I want everyone in this building right now, no matter what you're doing, to write down one thing that you need to start doing, that you're not doing right now, that you know will bring, put you on the path to spiritual renewal. It could be a relationship. It could be uh, changing up your devotions. You've done the same thing for 50 years. And you're the same old crotchety old person. Change it up. Do something different. A lot of ideas we can give you. I'm going to take a few minutes in complete silence now. After you have that written down, if you're a believer this morning and you sense your deep need of renewal, don't wait. After this service, go to the restroom, go to your car, go somewhere and repent before God right now. Then get along with him this afternoon and do some more considering of your ways. If you're not saved, we will take time. (laughs) We will take time with you this morning to help you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. So please come see one of the pastors. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but also thank you for that promise, a renewal in the clear plan. I pray you would continue to work as we go to our life group classes. In Jesus' name.